welcome to Living a Sensory Life, a podcast that I've started talking all things sensory. So my name's Becky, I'm the founder of Sensory Spectacle, and I've run this podcast to teach you all about sensory processing disorder. We're going to be interviewing people, we're going to be sharing strategies, I'm going to be giving you research, and I'm also going to be explaining things to you so that you can help to understand the child or adult you care for or support just that little bit better. So how can we teach self-regulation? So I said that self-regulation is the thing that helps us to feel calm, to keep alert and to remain focused on whatever it is that we're doing. So it might be when you're watching at the cinema a movie, you may well be eating something to help yourself keep awake, you might be drinking something. If you're reading, you may be doing something at the same time, twiddling your foot or doing something to help you stay focused. So for people with sensory processing difficulties, they're constantly having to regulate their sensory input in order to help themselves stay focused. So they're constantly, if they're sensitive to sound, they're constantly having to find ways, fix ways of being able to block out or regulate out some of that auditory input and able to focus on what it is that they're doing. So they may have learnt to wear headphones or to cover their ears or to hum or to repeat things while they're also trying to listen. And we know that some people who are humming or who are repeating things and making noises are doing that actually while they're also listening to a teacher or someone else giving an instruction to them. So our bodies are really, really clever at helping us to find ways to regulate, to stay at this level of alertness that we need to be. Now, for some people with sensory difficulties, they'll find that really, really difficult. And so we will need to help them to find ways of being able to regulate. Now, the first thing that we have to do is that we have to build a really great relationship with this person. So if you are a family member or carer or parent for this child or adult, you will already have a really great relationship and therefore a really great understanding of that person. If you are in education, if you're in a care setting, if you're a therapist, whoever you might be, it's then really, really important that you do spend time really getting to know that person, understanding, observing, why are they doing the certain things that they're doing? because then you really need to understand their overriding sensory needs. And understanding your overriding sensory needs is what I teach you on our Becoming a Sensory Detective online training. So have a look at that if you want to learn more about how you can start to do that for yourself. So observe the characteristics that of how they're responding to their environment. So are they flickering things? Are they covering their ears? Are they moving a lot? 
Those are all our sensory characteristics. And then we need to try and understand and we need to um, pull apart all of these characteristics and really pin down what sensory systems could it relate to that tie all of these characteristics into one. So it may well be that all of them relate to tactile experience. It might be that some of them relate to an auditory sensitivity and some of them relate to tactile. So it may well be that someone has difficulties in organising lots of different sensory systems and that can change throughout the day. It doesn't necessarily mean it's just one sense. So that's why it's so important for us to know that person. We may observe different characteristics at different times throughout the day or when they're feeling a certain way or when they're doing a certain activity. So it's really, really important that we do get to see them in all different environments and experiences. Once we are really starting to understand the overriding sensory needs, it's then our job to learn from them. So what what are they doing in order to regulate themselves currently? So the things that they're doing are actually the sensory characteristics. So they might be regulating themselves by flickering their fingers in front of their eyes. They might be regulating themselves by wearing headphones. They might be regulating themselves by wearing certain clothes, by avoiding certain activities by eating certain foods. The list is endless. And so it's really, really important for us to learn from them. So what is it about that food that is helping them to regulate? What is it about the ready salted crisps that they're eating and the breadsticks and um, the cereal or whatever toast it might be? We need to try and break down what it is that's helping them to stay calm and to stay focused from that activity. Once we've understood that better, that's when it's our opportunity to put in ideas, put in strategies that are similar to what they're already doing. Now, most of the time, there's no need to change the way that someone's regulating themselves unless we feel that there's another way that we can support them to regulate themselves, to, to feel better, that may be a bit safer, or in the long run, maybe more beneficial for their life and quality of life. So if someone's learnt to wear headphones to regulate, that's absolutely fine. Wearing headphones is a great strategy. Lots of adults wear headphones as they get older. They might wear headphones when they're shopping to listen to their own music while they're shopping so that then the music in the shops is less distracting. It might be that they listen to music to actually help focus on someone else's voice when they're talking. So when they're in the classroom, when they're in college, it might be that someone wears headphones but they don't actually listen to any music and that can be because it feels comforting, it feels secure to have something in their ears, it's like that safety mechanism to help them to feel comforted, to feel supported. 
However, there may well be some times throughout this child or adult's day where you do want to help them find other strategies to regulate or to become familiar with that sensory experience. So it might be the lighting in the bathroom. It might be a certain food or a drink. It might be a piece of clothing, whatever it might be. And so we then need to help to teach it. Now, the best way that we can do that is not by sitting them down and asking them to copy what you're doing. It's simply about us demonstrating or being in the same environment as them, us doing something to support ourselves and just letting them observe, letting them be in the same environment, same situation to see why we might be doing that and how it's helping us, how is it changing us. So for example, um, if you're helping someone to become more independent with getting dressed, it might be that giving your feet and your legs a squeeze before you put on your socks and your trousers is what you need to do. So what you can do is you can do that before you put on your socks. So you might be going out for a walk. You might give your feet a squeeze. You might put on your socks. You might squeeze your feet again and then you might put on your shoes. And you may well notice then after a certain amount of times that your child or the person you're supporting copies you. They are learning from you. They're trying something out that's new. Now, up until this moment, the child or adult that you're supporting has been finding ways of regulating for themselves. They've learned from experience, from things that are happening around them or things that they've found. How often do you go into a new environment and the person you're supporting or your child has gone up, found a random object in the room and is holding it or flicking it or pinging it or looking at it? That is their curiosity. That is them trying to understand and work out what is it about this object that I can, I can use. I'm curious about it. It looks really interesting. And so in exactly the same way, that's how we can then teach other regulating strategies. So helping someone to be more aware of their body, giving a good squeeze. Now, some people may not like you squeezing them, which is why we must demonstrate it first. So we demonstrate it on ourselves. We show and we talk about why we're doing it. We may even have conversations about how we're feeling or um, what's happening. So, oh, my toes feel really big or my toes feel really warm. I'm squeezing my feet. Oh, I can feel all of my foot and you can flex and wiggle your toes at the same time. And then you might do the same as you're squeezing your legs and then you put on your sock and then you might squeeze your feet again before you put on your shoes. So like I said, the strategies that we use are how the people we're supporting are learning. So they're learning constantly from their environment. And so we are their environment as well. So they will also be learning from observing the things that we're doing. So a lot of the characteristics 
that the children and adults we're supporting have are because of what they've seen us or the people around them doing in the past. And so they've learnt from other people things to try. And if they like that thing, then they will keep it. If they don't like that thing, then it will be a very clear push, get it away from me. And so when we're regulating, we can't just expect to offer a tool or a certain strategy. Most of the time, self-regulation comes from our environment and what we're doing in that space. We can't buy a product. We can't expect the fidget that we use in the classroom to be as effective at home. So it may well be that you have different strategies for different environments. So as you're then starting to support your child or the person you're supporting to be more aware of how they're regulating, you can have conversations, but also you'll be more aware of changes in their behaviours. So changes in their personalities to help us to understand how they're feeling. Are they feeling calm? Are they feeling excited? Are they feeling focused? And all of these things are really, really important to then help us to know if that strategy has been really effective for them. So when you're teaching someone to self-regulate, we need to put the focus on building that relationship, observing and really understanding the overriding sensory needs of the person we're supporting. Once we know that, we then learn from them. We learn from them why they're doing the things that they're doing. We try out strategies similar to what they're doing. And then we demonstrate them. So we might demonstrate them on ourselves or on other people. But it doesn't have to be that sitting down and teaching experience where you're waiting. You're giving someone an item and just expecting them to know how to use it. The amount of times I go into settings and they have a sensory box in the room, which is brilliant. It's great that they are aware of that. However, we can't expect the people that we're supporting to just know how to use those sensory items. So sometimes we do have to teach and we will teach through demonstration. So it might be that I have a fidget in my hand and actually I'm sitting and I'm listening to the teacher while I'm supporting my student who's sitting next to me and I'm fidgeting with this squidgy toy, whatever it might be. But I'm also listening to the teacher at the same time. And that demonstration of behaviour is what's really important for our students or our child or adults to recognise and understand as well. They may then do the same thing with the object or they might find something different. They might start stroking something on their face and they may notice, oh, that's what helps to keep them alert and focused on the activity that they're doing. So... Teach self-regulation, but you must make sure that it's personalised to the needs of your child or adult who you're supporting.
This podcast was brought to you by Sensory Spectacle. You can find out more about our immersive training and workshops on our website, sensorispectacle.co.uk. We educate about and create awareness of sensory processing disorder internationally. We travel the world helping parents and professionals to understand specific characteristics relating to sensory processing needs. On our website, you'll find books, sensory support items, classroom resources, as well as information about our trainings. If you have any questions, please do get in touch. We love to hear from you. But otherwise, thanks for listening.